People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. In a world that is often laden with uncertainty, one company looks to make things simpler and a little more predictable. Really is a company that is vertically integrating the home buying experience, trying to make the process as smooth as possible and frictionless to one of the parties under most stress, the home buyers. We sit down today with Really CEO Tyler Baldwin to talk about how his company is doing that and what he hopes to make of the home buying experience in the future. Tyler, good afternoon. How are you? Great, thanks. How are you doing, Dodd? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Where do we find you today? Where Where are you? I am in sunny and mostly smoke-free Danville. Okay, that's right. Yeah, uh, the Bay Area has been getting some of that lately, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Is this where your office is based? Are you working out of the home? Where are you guys as a, as a company uh, with the sort of return to work at this point? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I'm actually working out of my home office uh, we, our headquarters is based in San Mateo. We also have another R&D office in Israel. Okay. But practically speaking, 99% of employees are working remotely right now. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious, sort of given kind of where things are and school starting again, you know, if you guys as a company have a, some thoughts around, you know, that, or you're just kind of planted by ear at this point. Well, it's funny. It's like we actually had a, a plan to go back into the office starting next week before okay. the Delta. Yeah, okay. before the Delta variant happened. Yeah, and now it's a little bit of wait and see. But but ultimately, once COVID starts calming down and, and we believe it's safe for sure. our employees to come back in the office, uh, we will be coming back, but in actually in a very different way than we used to be. We used to be a primarily office-based culture for okay. many of the functions with yep. the exception of real estate agents. Yeah. Obviously, real estate agents are in local markets, so they they live and work in their, in the area in which uh, are in the same area. Uh, but most of the other cross-functional teams, our marketing team, our, F, our, our FP&A team, our accounting team, they were all based in the office coming in every day. Yeah. And I yeah. think that what COVID fundamentally reach, uh, changed is, you know what? That, like, you don't need to be in the office five days a week anymore. Yeah. And when we come back into the office, it will be a remote first approach where we, depending on the role, you still may need to come in a couple of days a week or something like that. But we want to design the way we, we work with the remote employee. They're, they're first in mind yep. and not an afterthought yep. because usually remote employees are afterthoughts. So we believe that's just the, the wave of the future is that people are going to be working remote first, uh, or remote in many, many cases. So we have to think about them first before before a, a, an office-based employee, because it's easy when you're yeah. in the office. Yeah, 
So that's where we'll be we'll be going. And we sort of fell backwards into this conversation, but I'm glad you brought it up, Tyler, because I was going to ask you about it, <laughs> kind of what you guys are doing. So that's very, very interesting. Do you then see kind of this flexible arrangement as sort of a, you know, a, a major recruiting tool? Is this something that you guys, you know, think is kind of an amenity, uh, just a new way of doing things, uh, all of the above? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, I think the, in order to be competitive in, in recruiting, and there's a talent war going on, and it's like we're based in Silicon Valley, yeah. and it's, it's particularly acute there. But across the country, it's hard. And this absolutely gives us an opportunity to to scale, find great talent, whether it's a loan officer in Miami or an engineer somewhere else. Like this enables us to actually find the best talent, and that that enables us that will enable us to scale our business much faster than if we were only geographically confined on where we can hire people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like everything else in life, COVID has derailed this conversation. Also, <laughs> so <laughs> let's let's take a step back and you know introduce you to the audience and you know tell us a little bit about who you are, uh, who is your company, and you know kind of how the winding path of your career got you to where you are today. Sure. So I am the chief executive officer of Really. I've been at Really for about three years. Uh, earlier in my career, I, start, I started my career in management consulting. I worked for a couple of uh, consulting firms, one of which was McKinsey and Company, and then went to business school after uh, also spent time at LinkedIn uh, and in a couple of different biz ops, sales operations, and sales leadership roles. And the majority of my career prior to really was in high tech, helping launch new products and scaled the sales and marketing efforts. And I had never been personally involved in real estate from a profession. I had bought a house, sold the house, and then bought a new house. So I'd been involved in three transactions personally. And I remember, and the the, the last one was in 2015, uh, so quite a long time ago. But when I was going through these, uh, the process, I was really uh, thinking, wow, this is like, I thought the internet and technology had disrupted most industries. <laughs> it's been resolved, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was surprised. Like, of course, like you have Zillow and Redfin that had dis- disrupted the, the discovery by democratizing the information. What used to be in realtors, like their books, their MLS book, and like that you had to go into the office to see what homes were for sale in the neighborhood. That they so they they democratized that information. But as soon as I got into the transaction and the offer was accepted. It's like I got into a time machine and went 30 years back in time. Yeah. And it was a very broken, expensive, confusing process. And even though I had great agents, I mean, like super, like super responsive, helpful, but they're also just participating in an incredibly fragmented industry. So, so when I was going through the transaction, I was like, wow, this is kind of surprising and really didn't think much of it. Um, but then, Three years later, when, uh, or several years later, when I was like looking to leave LinkedIn and join a startup, I met Amit Holler, our uh, Really's founder, yeah. and he was telling me about the mission of Really, and it really resonated with me because not only is this massive market opportunity, $2 trillion a year of residential real estate um, sales every single year, but it was also a fundamental problem that I personally understood and, and have compassion for. Uh, and so for me, it was just a, a great opportunity to uh, to jump in and help try to transform the industry. Yeah. Tell us what does really do? Yes. Yeah. So very simple terms. We are trying to create a one-stop shop 
to facilitate home buyers and sellers to find like find their dream home. And we're leveraging many different technologies and tools and processes to to fundamentally rethink how home buying um, ha- and selling occurs. So, as an example, we vertical integration. Mm-hmm. We have we're not we're not just a broker, but we have a mortgage team or an internal mortgage company. We bought a mortgage company. We have a, uh, an escrow company, a title partnership. We have a property buying team. We have essentially every element of the transaction is all in-house so that we can facilitate a transaction for a customer much better. Uh, and then on top of that, we have some, uh, some new hybrid iBuying or iBuying uh, pro- uh, pro- products yep. that enable customers to make all cash offers and win the home that they're, they're yeah. trying to. And for those who don't know what, what iBuying is, can you just briefly, just really quickly explain what, what that concept is? Yeah, so there's, there's definitely different flavors. There's a company, there, there's some more well-established companies like Opendoor, even Zillow, that pioneered some of these concepts a few years ago, let's say maybe five years ago, where it's almost like the CarMax of the real estate industry where you could go to them and essentially sell your house to them, get a quote in uh, instantaneously, and they could come and buy your home from you in cash in 48 hours. Yeah. Sort of on an as-is basis, right? Yeah. On an as-is basis. And the again, that's kind of similar to like you go to CarMax, they give you a quote, and then you can basically walk out the door with a check. Now, the challenge with that, with a CarMax, as well as like historically many of these iBuyers, is that they still need to turn around that company, um, that house or that car and sell for a profit. So they have to uh, give you typically a below market rate. And it depends on the market and how much willingness sure. there is for a venture capitalist to, to lose money on these yeah. deals. Sure. But there's typically, for a consumer, you're only doing it when you're more like you, you have to sell fast or you have to there's some distressed nature of, of what you're trying to do. Yeah. So for us, what we think that there it's there, there's a, the, the, the problem that is fundamentally many people are trying to solve is what most home buyers are experiencing at the same time. 65% of home buyers are also selling at the same time, or in other words, their second time or third timer home, home buyers. And they need the equity in their existing home to buy the next one. Yeah. So for us, we're trying to solve that problem. And the way we do it is that, and, and when I say hybrid buying, that's essentially kind of a, a, the, the, one of the newer terms for what we're doing. We're trying, we help people buy before they sell and leverage the equity in their existing house to buy the new one. And the approach is we engage our, our loans team. We qualify you to, to understand your purchase power based on your income, your assets, and the value of your existing home. Then we will partner with you to go buy the new your new home for you, and we will do it our, with our own balance sheet, and we'll pay all cash up front to buy that new home for you. So first, in a market like this, it's a huge asset because in a supply-constrained market, trying to win where there's multiple offers and many are all cash, it's next to impossible. And right. if you have a, right. if a, a traditional finance mortgage with, with an appraisal contingency, that offer is dead on arrival. Yeah. <laughs> so for us, we can actually help the customer win just right out of the gate by buying that new home for them. And then, and then we'll go and sell their old home for them 
uh, they, because they'll move out of their old home into the new one. Yep. So it's unoccupied. We clean it, we stage it, we get ready. And, and then we can sell it very quickly, which is awesome because it also enables them to get premium dollar for their home. Typically, staged, unoccupied homes sell for 1% to 5% higher than list price. Yep. So they don't have to sell a discount. They get a premium, which is awesome. So then once their old home sells, their equity is unlocked. And the home that they're already living in, that we bought for them, they just buy it back from us. And we have a loan team and an escrow team that basically facilitates that entire transaction. Yeah, makes sense. So from an operational point of view, you've described some of the services that you know you guys offer, but being vertically integrated, you're also you know easing the pain of sort of having to deal with you know one company that's a brokerage, another company that's a title company, another company that's a that is, you know, providing you your, you know, mortgage, another company that's, you know, providing you your, you know, moving and staging and all this other stuff, right? How much time does all of this, you know, save from an operational point of view for like an average, you know, customer of yours? That's a great question. So we've done some research and there's obviously like, nope, there's no like one customer. Sure. But we've just looked at like many uh, customers from start to finish from uh, buying, like selling your old house to moving into your mother-in-law's basement or do, doing a rental to now buying the new house and getting a finance that typically takes about six months of time. And when we flip the process on its head and we buy the new home first and then sell the old home, our typical turnaround time is between two to three months. Okay. So we're almost cut like either like cutting that in half or more uh, because it just Fundamentally, we're changing the process, and we're uh, we we can operate with m- do many things in parallel rather than just one after the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you mentioned Carmax, and I've actually been a customer of theirs now for several years. That's also a super easy process. You go in, you sign like one piece of paper, and you're sort of done, right? It's very fast and quick. Do you also save a lot of time and effort around all those documents? Does does that part of the process enter? this time time saving um, e- um, equation? Oh, it's, it's a great question. So that's something we're working on now, candidly. <laughs> it, there's a lot of things that the each one of the, like each element of our business is still mandated yep. by regulation. Yes. So right, right. When, an S, when a notary comes out to like have you sign 5,000 page like volume <laughs> <laughs> of documents for you to buy your house, there's a, really, there's not a lot that we can do to like to reduce that number of paperwork but what we can do is pass information as much as as we are legally allowed to from one entity to the next where we'll automatically like can can help you get a quote or something like that yeah, yeah. Um, we, we also enable all, all of our teams our agents our loan officers our escrow officers they're on the same back-end platform yeah we have the same crm and we they have visibility so instead of if you're a client and you ask your agent, hey, what's the status of this? Well, maybe it's actually stuck. Your loan is stuck in underwriting or you're waiting for the appraisal or the, or some other thing. If and in the traditional world, you ask your, your agent, they'll say, well, I don't know. You need to go talk to your loan officer. You need to go talk to your right. escrow officer. Right. So for us, we can immediately either answer the question or very quickly triage it and get the right person to the, the customer at the right time. And, and we're also, uh, we have technology, consumer-facing technology in our app and our web app, our mobile app and our web app that 
customers can then actually go do some self-service themselves and yeah. see where they are in the I process. The What's yeah. the next step? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. And that's, and that is a great relief because I personally also, from my experience, know that that can be very challenging trying to find out where are we? Do you have everything? Do you need something else? What else do you need? You know, that kind of stuff. So that can be a great savior. Tyler, where do you guys operate? So currently we are based uh, only in California and we are in the Bay Area, Sacramento, and then uh, several markets in Los Angeles. Yep. And you just recently broke a new milestone. You guys had a uh, you know, very nice raise um, that just closed recently. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and sort of where you are in uh, that whole process? Yeah. So we raised $250 million. $100 million is in venture equity and venture debt for, to fund growth and operations. And $150 million in debt to fund loans and the purchasing of the properties for our trade and our cash okay, offer programs. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, was this oversubscribed? Was this something that worked out really great for you guys? You know, how was the market now with sort of as you were, you know, going into the market, I assume probably during 2020 to look for investors. What experience did you have and how did you find it to all to all, you know, end here? Yeah, so when so we started the fundraise. We're about to start it in 2020, right when COVID hit, <laughs> which yeah. was probably not like the best time. To, right. like, I mean, I, uh, unfortunately, it was not the best time to, to, to try to raise around. So we, we actually uh, went to um, some existing investors and got a bit of a bridge for 2020. And uh, we're able to essentially reinvent our, not or iterate our, our business model. And coming into this year, we had really isolated and identified uh, really what was resonating with the consumers. And we've learned a lot since we launched. So when yeah. we launched uh, uh, in 2016, really was a, a very high-tech-led, uh, uh, essentially, discount broker. Yeah. Low fees, flat fees on the, both the buy side, the sell side. And over time, we've, we learned that the cons- like this, it's really tough to completely disintermediate the agent. And, and, and also that there, there's really key elements of the transaction that need support. So we've evolved our business model over time to be uh, a, a process where, or, or an offering, just, again, this one-stop shop that's powered by both technology and humans yep. centered on these consumer products like trade and cash offer. So when we come out of coming, and these products, these trade and cash offer, in particular, in a market like we've experienced over the last 18 months in COVID, where you've had supply constraints, the value of these products has been massive. And that really helped drive the fundraise of these efforts to the, where we were definitely oversubscribed. We were able to, to raise uh, a, quite a bit more than when we originally targeted that's a great problem to have, I think, right? Were there any strategic members that sort of joined that, you know, club of uh, investors, uh, kind of, you know, value add folks that you hope, you know, you will work with more in the future? Absolutely. I mean, I think on th- there's, as we're thinking about like accelerating the trade-in and cash offer programs, we were able to raise significant amount of debt to help fund those. And that's okay. like, th- those are really important strategic partners of ours yep. to uh, buy homes because when we started this uh, this product a couple of years ago, we actually had we were funding this out of, off our own balance sheet, and 
it's tough to do that when you when you're buying two or three million dollar homes at a time sure. in, in the Bay Area. <laughs> right. Uh, it's like and that's a, like we had a small balance sheet. So like literally there are points where like where I was telling agents, hey, please don't put that offer on that house just yet. Just wait a week before <laughs> right. we clear this. So, so now we have much more access to capital, which enables us to really accelerate this. Yeah. Excellent. So as we were joking earlier, 2020 was just a year that was totally disrupted by by the virus. I, I you know, you know, sounds like your fundraising process kind of had to take a restart also. What have you learned during that time that maybe helped you reprioritize certain things or, you know, refocus, not necessarily pivot, but like, you know, refocus on, you know, areas that, you know, maybe two years ago you thought were maybe secondary, tertiary even, uh, but now we're in sort of the, you know, prime focus of where you guys want to go. So I alluded to this slightly, but just to double down on the point, I think that the, when the, the company was founded, the, the mission of, of really is to delight home buyers at every stage of their life. Yeah. And we're trying to do this by creating a one-stop shop that makes home buying simple, affordable, and stress-free. And a lot of where we had originally focused was on like the, uh, the affordability. And, uh, and as a result, as I mentioned, we were uh, uh, many customers came to us because we were offering significant discounts. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that we've learned th- in particular throughout the last couple of years and, and in COVID is that many customers, when they're trying to buy a house or, or even sell a house, they're not price sensitive. And not that they don't care about fees and, and not that we're trying to like turn around and like price gouge customers. We're absolutely not. That, but ultimately, they are trying to do something. They're trying to win their next home. They're yeah, trying to yeah. move and they're not trying to save money. If they were trying to save money, I have a recommendation for them. Don't buy a new house. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're more expensive. Keep renting. Stay in a smaller house, right? And now obviously some people are downsizing, but many people are like their costs are going up when you buy a new house. Sure. So sure. so just by that token, like they are more like they're focused on like their pain points are how do I actually win in a competitive market? Yeah. How do yeah. I move my equity? How do I buy this house when I have my equity trapped in my old house? So those are the real distinct pain points that customers are are facing on a daily basis that there are no good solutions out there. Yeah. Better discovery doesn't help you win in a competitive offering. What's interesting about you, what you know you just said is that it almost sounds like there is an opportunity for sort of, you know, customer education, right? Maybe there's some opportunity there to kind of like, you know, qualify them and say, "Hey, yeah, you can do that, but given your circumstance, you might be better off not doing anything, right? Now, I don't know if you make money doing that kind of stuff. Obviously not, right? You're not perhaps incentivized financially to you know, give that kind of advice. But I wonder from the data that you have, if those uh, types of outcomes become more clear, what the right path is. Well, ultimately, I mean, I think for us, we, we want to make sure that when a customer is buying, that they're getting good, good, good value sure, for their money. Yeah. So, and that's where we had started, where previously... To pay two and a half percent commission or uh, for on the, the buy side or the sell side, that's what your agents in the, in California typically earn. That's a lot of money for in some for for some situations, not a lot of effort. So yeah. so that's why we originally started got down the path of discount fees. But now we 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 pivot to this new paradigm where we're buying the house on your behalf and we're rolling your equity over. But we actually don't charge you anything additional than what your traditional 
realtor would charge you. Now you're actually getting a ton of value for those fees. And many customers are more than happy to pay that and more if like, it's not like um, to, to actually facilitate that transaction. So for us, it's, that's, that's really where moving into a space of giving great customer service and, and delivering on that, cust- that value for the fees, that's, that's uh, I think, a much healthier relationship. Yeah. With this uh, latest round that you've uh, just completed, does that now give you some road to hire and grow faster, maybe offer services that you, know, you didn't before? Where are you guys with that? That's a great question. So really, we're continuing to, to double down on our trade-in program where we want to, in our existing markets, go deeper. As you mentioned before, there, 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 like, there's a bunch of customer education that needs to occur. And, yeah. that's, and I would say 99 out of 100 customers who are buying and selling homes literally don't know that these products exist. They, 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 they just think that the only way to buy or sell a house is just by going with your local neighborhood realtor. And they have no idea of these other products. So a lot of what we need to do is build a market presence in, in, in at a local level and through a combination of hiring agents, through marketing spend, through branding and whatnot, to really just get out the word to people that there is a better way to buy and sell homes and, and there's and we can help them win their dream home. So yeah. so that's where we're gonna be focusing. We're not we're not in like a land grab situation right yeah. now where yeah. there's other VCs or, or VC backed companies that have raised hundred million, two hundred million dollars. Hey, we're going to expand into twenty markets next year. Yeah. To me, that's like the the. the uh, there's an interesting um, statistic I was reading a couple of weeks ago that if you look cumulatively at all of these new prop tech disruptors and what percent market share do they represent of just the homes bought and sold, and if you include even the likes of Redfin uh, in that bucket, in aggregate, it's less than two percent on a national level. That's right. Yeah. That are going through these new yep. companies. Yep. 98% of homes bought and sold are through traditional real estate. Yeah. So that it's not like real estate has not been disrupted yet. So for us, it's like we want to double down in the markets we are, perfect the consumer model. And then in a few years, then it's it, it'll be game time to go and expand more aggressively. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. As every tech company has experienced probably, you know, over the last year or so, have you guys also have a difficult time, you know, finding people, hiring people? Do you have just enough? Yeah. So it, it's a great question. It's always the, the challenge. I think it depends on the role. There's, there's some roles that are more difficult than others to hire. Uh, but I will say, as, our, as we were discussing earlier, our remote first strategy has actually really enabled us to accelerate our key hires, where okay. previously, yeah. if I needed to hire a person in a very specific role and it had to be just in San Mateo or the Bay Area, well, that's much more difficult. But now we can, as an example, I had mentioned like our loan officers. We we have loan officers and, and folks in our loan team all over the country. Yeah. And that enables us to scale much, much faster than previously that if it was like very geographically concentrated. Yeah. And if you don't mind me asking, this is slightly personal question, not like you personally, but as you know, for, for the people that, you know, you, you know, hire, how do you communicate culture or, you know, do, you know, the way to work at, you know, really what you guys are about, you know, how do you, how do you guys do that with a remote team? Because I think that's certainly one of these things that we're all sort of struggling with these days and, you know, learning essentially from others, how to do it better. 
Yeah. So we really focus on three key things, our mission, our vision, and our values. And when we're onboarding people, so when, and, and also even the recruiting process. So when we're hiring people, we want them to make sure that they're aligned to our vision and mission, that we're trying to disrupt real estate for the consumer. We are fundamentally a consumer focused company yep. trying to help people buy and sell homes in a better way. And we want people who join who are who are inspired by that mission. Uh, like I, I realize we may not be sit, like helping kids in Africa get clean water, which is an amazing thing, but like helping people buy and sell homes, I believe is a noble endeavor. And I, I'm very personally passionate about it. And many people, so when they, from the get-go in the hiring process, we, we test, we, we focus on that. But even on the, on, in the onboarding, we want to make sure that everybody is aligned to a common objective. Yeah. And that's where a lot of times when you're talking about like building culture, well, a, a lot of it, it just is based on we're, we're all in this together. We're all focused on the same thing. We yeah. may have different parts to play in accomplishing that mission and the vision, but at least we are all singularly lined on the same thing. So I spend a lot of time and we have like very extensive onboarding sessions where we're talking about culture, our vision, our mission, so on. And we also spend a lot of time on our values. Uh, and part of this is that in, our values are how we make decisions, how we operate, and this is in particularly important in a remote organization because when nobody's looking, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people do whatever they want. But if we talk about this is what we expect, this is what we believe, and this is how we operate, it enables us to actually have a much more scalable culture because everybody knows why we're here and how we are trying to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, those are th- those are some great great thoughts. Also, to turn it to you personally, you know, so the last eighteen months have been you know difficult for everybody. What are some of the things that you know you as you know Tyler Baldwin, not the CEO, but as an individual, have learned in this process in this last eighteen months about running a business, about uh, you know doing what you do, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to kind of you know exercise, you know, that, you know, mission that you talk, talk about, right. What, what are some big kind of, you know, lessons, lessons learned there? When you first said, what were the things I've learned? My, my immediate thought went to on a joking basis was I've learned how to make a lot of cocktails. (laughs) 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 I've baked bread. I I have to say I've baked bread. I fell into that category. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, there's either one or that's probably healthier, but yeah, I think it's a give you either like learning how to do a sourdough starter or like cocktails. So like, uh, I went the other route, but uh, joking aside, I mean, I I think for for me, a a few of the things that I've, I've learned is alignment is really important. I I think it's always important to, to like, to get centered on the vision, the mission, but it even goes further than that. It's not just the vision and mission, but it's the strategy. And how do you actually get the organization aligned on the strategy? Mm -hmm. And previously I had done, a process where we're using OKRs and the quarterly planning process and whatnot. And, and I think it worked out, it worked out pretty well, but the, in the last couple of years, since we're, we've been remote, really focusing on making sure everybody is aligned to the strategy of how we're delivering is really important. There's this concept in manufacturing. Uh, my, uh, my chief people officer like shared this idea with me and it really resonated with me. It's called, it's, it's the 110, 100 principle. And it talks about when in a production process or when you're p- producing a, whether it's an iPhone or some, some physical good, 
if you talk about the cost of, of an error. If sure. you find an error in the design phase, it costs a dollar to fix. If you find a, an error in the production phase, well, it's in the factory, it costs 10 bucks to fix. Once your product is shipped and now you find out there's a, a defect in the product and now you have to do recall or whatever, fix it out in the field, it costs $100 to fix the same error. Yep. So we think about that as we're, again, perfecting the, this consumer experience, trying to build a new product, getting aligned very at, at the beginning, at the design phase. What are we trying to accomplish? And that's where COVID in, in particular has really given us time to focus on what we're focusing on is this trade and customer, the person who's buying and selling at the same time. And our entire company should focus on that. And there's many things that we can do, but the thing that we want to do and we want to laser our, our attention is on that singular experience. So, so I say like, that's probably one of my biggest uh, lessons is um, taking time to be very deliberate about what we're going to accomplish and then focusing the majority of the organization's effort on accomplishing the thing that supports that that key strategy. Yeah, yeah. And to close off our, our conversation here, Tyler, on a sort of more personal note, what gives you hope? For me, I mean, I, in general, a very hopeful person. And we, I've been through multiple, if we're talking about COVID or, or even the economy, I've been through other economic cycles and things always turn around and things will always get better. And, and, and a lot of this is just about your attitude. Um, I actually spent some time when I was younger in the Philippines um, and met a lot of people who were very destitute. But the thing that just always made me was just, even to this day, which just was so startling is that despite like, some of the most impoverished, impoverished circumstances you can ever imagine, these people were happy. And so from that very like be, like early, I was 19 when I was, was in the Philippines, I realized that your, your state of life, your happiness is not, has nothing to do with your state of like your, your physical state. It's your state of mind, which you actually have control over. And for me, that, that gives me hope that we're, we're, like myself as a person, my family, and us as a society, we have control over how we interact or what our attitude is to, to the circumstance. The circumstance will be whatever it is, but we can control that. So for me, it's just like having that very optimistic and outlook that we can control how we succeed and how we accomplish things. Tyler, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. This was a wonderful conversation and uh, thank you for sharing both your you know personal and your business successes with us. Uh, stay safe and we'll be in touch. Thanks a lot, great time today. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.